This is Anne-Marie Lewis, and you are listening to We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us, brought to you by American Rivers. In keeping with the New Year's tradition, on this episode of We Are Rivers, we reflect on 2017 and look ahead to opportunities in 2018. The past 12 months have been rough for rivers and clean water. However, thanks to our supporters, activists, and listeners just like you, American Rivers was able to make significant progress for the rivers that connect us all. Join our producer, Faye Augustine, as she reflects on the challenges, but more importantly, the successes of 2017, and highlights critical priorities for rivers and clean water in the coming year. around this time, I come to the realization that we've almost completed another circle around the sun. It's hard to believe that the end of 2017 is quickly approaching. Earlier today, I thought back to this time last year and how at that moment, there were so many unknowns about how the upcoming year would unfold, regardless of whether or not 2017 was a banner year for you, or maybe a year that provided a few more hurdles than normal. I think most of us can agree it was one of the more challenging years our country as a whole has faced in the last few decades. As the end of 2017 inches closer, staff at American Rivers are reflecting on how the past year has been for rivers. The Trump administration was not kind to rivers or clean water. Despite the many challenges working against us. American Rivers, along with our members, supporters, and listeners just like you, have worked diligently over the last 12 months to make our voices heard and ensure that rivers across the country are protected. We all need healthy rivers for the water we drink, our safety and livelihoods, and the places where we play. Healthy rivers aren't a luxury. They're essential to our health, our economy, and our quality of life. American Rivers is the nation's voice for rivers and clean water. We were founded in 1973 by a group of very far-sighted river conservationists, and they saw a need for a national advocacy organization to fight dams and to work to protect wild and scenic rivers. In those days, in the early 70s, there were dam proposals on virtually every stretch of river in this country. So the need to have a national organization was clear. And so American Rivers was born. And over the course of the next 45 years, we've continued to fight dams and work to protect wild and scenic rivers. But we do much more now. Our mission is to protect wild rivers, to restore damaged rivers, and to conserve clean water for people and nature. That was Bob Irvin, president of American Rivers. As he mentioned, American Rivers is a leading national voice for rivers and clean water across the country. Over the last four decades, American Rivers has worked diligently to protect and restore rivers and streams. Unfortunately, much of the progress that we've made is threatened by the Trump administration's rollback and budget cuts. I've been working in conservation for more than 30 years, and I can say without any doubt, this past year has posed the greatest challenges to rivers and clean water that I've seen in my career. And that's quite frankly because the Trump administration is the most anti-environmental administration in American history, and its allies in Congress are working with it to undermine protection for rivers and clean water. Healthy rivers and clean water are not luxuries. They are things that all of us depend on. We all need safe, 
clean drinking water for life itself. And we all enjoy rivers for the recreation opportunities they provide, for protection against flooding, for helping address the impacts of climate change, all of these things that rivers give to us every day. And yet the, the Trump administration and its allies in Congress are working to undermine the protections for this resource that is literally the lifeblood of this country. One of the most frightening threats facing rivers and clean water is the reversal of the clean water rule, which protects drinking water sources for one out of every three Americans. The Obama administration introduced the clean water rule in 2015 as a way to further clarify how certain bodies of water are managed and regulated under the Clean Water Act. Seasonal streams and wetlands, which are explicitly described in the Clean Water Rule, provide critical habitat for fish and wildlife and aid in the filtration of contaminated runoff and groundwater storage. When President Trump took office, he appointed an avowed opponent of the Environmental Protection Agency and its mission, Scott Pruitt, to be its administrator. Well, Scott Pruitt came into office as EPA administrator and has has worked uh, diligently and and, uh, unrelentingly to uh, repeal and replace the clean water rule. If you think about it, if you if you care about rivers, then you have to care about the headwater streams that feed those rivers, and you have to care about the wetlands that uh, provide buffers alongside rivers and help filter out pollutants and help protect against uh, flooding and also help uh, store water to protect against droughts. All of those areas uh, had had not been subject to uh, federal protection or it had been unclear whether they were. And so the Obama administration issued a rule that said uh, these areas are subject to federal protection under the Clean Water Act. Unfortunately, the repeal of the Clean Water Rule is not the only challenge facing our rivers. The Environmental Protection Agency, which was founded in the early 1970s to protect human health and the environment, is also at risk. As a part of Trump's budget proposal, he and his EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, proposed incredible threats to slash the EPA budget. The other thing that Scott Pruitt has done is to try to gut the EPA by shrinking its budget by more than a third, forcing uh, longtime career employees who are expert in their field to leave the agency by creating an atmosphere where listening to our scientists, listening to our experts is no longer welcome. Instead, uh, Scott Pruitt wants to listen to the industries that, that EPA is supposed to protect us against, and instead uh, Scott Pruitt has invited them to actually shape the course of the agency going forward. More recently, some of our most special lands and waters that are protected as a part of our national monument system are under threat. At the beginning of December, President Trump announced that he will roll back protections for major portions of Utah's Bears Ears National Monument and the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. Never before has a president moved so aggressively to eliminate the protection of so much public land and displayed such blatant disregard for the importance of public land to our heritage, economy, clean water, and identity as Americans. 
Every president since Theodore Roosevelt has acted to uh, set aside national monuments to protect very special places on our public lands and waters for future generations. And they've done this whether they've been Republican or Democratic presidents. It's a great uh, history that we have. Uh, but now President Trump has come into office with his Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke. He is uh, poised to shrink the size of several national monuments and to reduce their protection. And American Rivers, of course, is, is concerned about any uh, effort to shrink our national monuments because those are places that are supposed to be set aside for all Americans. Despite many of these challenges, American Rivers, along with our members and supporters, and thousands of people across the country have mounted a strong defense. We've mobilized our activists and sounded an alarm in news stories nationwide. These threats and new threats will continue into the new year. And it's critical that we as supporters for rivers, clean water, and public lands stand together to continue to make our voices heard. For those of us who care about rivers and clean water, there has never been a more important time to be concerned and to get active in defense of rivers and clean water. And I am so proud of American Rivers and all of our supporters and activists for all that they have done this year because our activists have sent more than 280,000 letters to decision makers, making their voices heard loud and clear that they want to see rivers protected and clean water protected as well. Despite the many challenges that rivers and clean water faced in 2017, progress has prevailed. American Rivers, along with our partners and supporters from across the country, removed 11 dams. We restored over 400 miles of rivers, and we removed 2.58 million pounds of trash through our National River Cleanup Program. Communities have benefited from projects to restore and protect rivers and clean water. Until recently, in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Milburney Dam impounded the Noose River, causing both human safety concerns and environmental challenges. The Noose River is one of the major rivers in North Carolina, and it flows about from the capital in Raleigh to the coast. And unlike most of the other major rivers in North Carolina, the Noose is largely free of dams along the main stem, which is great. So the removal of this Milburney Dam, which is on the main stem of the Noose, it opened up important habitat for species that travel from the ocean into freshwater to spawn. This removal also reconnects the river to its floodplain. And that's important because when a river has room to move and can access its, its floodplain, water quality can um, improve. Uh, I've already seen videos of folks stand up paddleboarding through the section where this dam was located. So public safety and recreation improvements are very obvious big benefits for Raleigh. That was Erin McCombs, Associate Conservation Director with American Rivers. She described how this project is a success as dam removal not only restores rivers, but it also improves habitat and opens up rivers and their surrounding lands for recreation, improving community livability and local economies. I think this dam removal is really exciting because it's quite visible. 
for the city of Raleigh. And I think that folks will be able to see the river change over time. They'll be able to see rapids that have been flooded by this dam and the impoundment for a really long time. And so I think that it's exciting to have a community be able to celebrate uh, the river really restoring to life. So this spring, we are looking forward to having a celebration when those fish, those shad, are able to return from the ocean back up to this section of stream for the first time in over 100 years. We can celebrate with the community a successful project to restore the Noose River. Diverse partnerships and coalitions, like those that were established during the process of removing the Millburnie Dam in North Carolina, have led to other successes across the country as well. In Colorado, American Rivers, along with our partners at Trout Unlimited and a host of others, including some of the largest water providers in the Front Range, have come together to restore river health by tackling a persistent water supply problem on the Colorado River through partnerships with local ranching families. Through this critical project, we will be able to restore the Colorado River by constructing 31 rocky riffles that will improve native trout habitat, water quality and quantity, enhance irrigation operations, and preserve the area's agricultural heritage. This project is, you know, is frankly, it's the definition of a, of a multi-benefit project. It, it's um, a lot of the practices that are going to be implemented um, are going to have benefits for both the irrigators um, and for, for the environment, for the river, for habitat, for water quality, for river function. The keystone part of the project is the construction of more than two dozen grade control riffles. These are riffles that have already begun being constructed, but are going to continue to be constructed systematically from the bottom of the ILVK reach to the top. That was Matt Rice, director of the Colorado River Basin for American Rivers. I think it's important to demystify the the acronym ILVK. Um, ILVK stands for the Irrigators of the Lands in the Vicinity of Kremlin, and Kremlin is a town in Colorado, very close to the the confluence with the main stem Colorado and the Blue River. So approximately 11 different landowners that comprise the ILVK. Most of them are are several generation ranching families that have been there for many, many years. It's It's a reach of the river that is suffered greatly because of three separate trans-mountain diversions um, above the ILVK reach. And and collectively, those trans-mountain diversion projects take between 70 and 80 percent of the native flows out of the Colorado River and deliver them to the Front Range from Fort Collins um, down to Denver. Um, So the river has fundamentally changed. There's a lot, there's 80 percent less water in the river. Um, That has had significant impacts on uh, certainly the environment, but it's also it's also had a severe impact on these ranchers' ability to to continue ranching. None of this work would be possible without the unique partnerships that were established as a part of this project. Ten years ago, a coalition like this would have been unthinkable. Collectively, the partners that are working on this project include different ranching families that all have different needs. The two biggest front-range water providers, Northern Water and Denver Water, um, conservation organizations like Trout Unlimited and American Rivers, the state of Colorado and Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the Colorado River District, Grand County, um, just to name a few. I'm sure I'm missing some, but it's a coalition that, you know, from my perspective, for a project this size is really, really unprecedented. As Matt described, the unique partnership formed through the ILVK restoration project on the Upper Colorado River was, until recently, unthinkable. 
It is partnerships like these that will ensure the health of the Colorado River Basin as a whole and support the many benefits that Coloradans receive from the river, including world-class recreation, agricultural heritage, and drinking water for people across the state. This is the headwaters of the Colorado River Basin, a 1,400-mile-long river that provides water to almost 40 million people that is incredibly important for agriculture, um, incredibly important in the state of Colorado for, for recreation. This reaches directly upstream from one of the most popular and most used recreational reaches in the entire state. This project is going gonna, is gonna to benefit. It's going to benefit trout fishing, not to mention that it's going to allow these, these ranching families to continue to, to thrive in, in agriculture, and that's, that's critically important as well. Innovative projects with broad, diverse stakeholder groups, like the restoration work happening on the Colorado River, help to protect places and landscapes that are the backbone of economies, cultures, and ways of life. The Central Valley in California is heavily developed for agriculture. Rivers here have been seriously confined for the better part of the last century as a part of the flood management plan. This has changed the landscape of the river corridor. Last year, American Rivers, along with other partners, including the state of California, the Central Valley Flood Protection Board, as well as other conservation nonprofits, worked together to develop and adopt a new forward-thinking flood plan to protect the Central Valley while also promoting the health and well-being of rivers and communities within the valley. The 2017 Central Valley Flood Protection Plan update is a plan that was uh, developed by the California Department of Water Resources and approved by the Central Valley Flood Protection Board. And it devises a plan going forward for how to protect California's Central Valley, one of the most flood-prone regions in the entire country. That was John Kane, Director of Conservation for California Flood Management. As climate change continues to impact California, communities need to consider and implement resilient strategies. The Central Valley Flood Protection Plan has three principles that should really be a guiding rule for flood planning throughout the United States as we're adapting to a changing climate. The first one is giving rivers more room is the best way to keep communities safe from flooding. Second one is develop flood projects as multi-benefit projects that not only improve flood protection, but provide a host of other benefits. And the third element of the Central Valley Flood Protection Plan that is that it develops measurable conservation objectives to guide the development of future multi-benefit flood management projects. The three main principles integrated into the Central Valley's Flood Protection Plan are all forward-thinking strategies that protect communities and enhance river health and the environment. The Central Valley's Flood Protection Plan should be a guiding rule for other communities across the country as we continue to adapt to a changing climate. The first step in giving rivers more room is limiting development on floodplains. This has historically been a big problem uh, in California's Central Valley, and of course it's been a big problem throughout the United States as we saw from Hurricane Harvey. And going forward, there are much stricter prohibitions on developing on floodplains. So the best strategy here is not building on floodplains at all where you can avoid it. Where there's already cities built on floodplains, like the city of Sacramento or the city of Stockton, the flood plan calls for expanding a system of flood bypasses. It directs waters onto natural floodplains away from these cities as a sort of natural overflow valve. 
In the Central Valley, instead of relying on traditional approaches such as building larger and higher levees, the new flood plan recognizes that by strategically expanding floodplains, floodways, and flood bypasses, we can reduce flood risk to people and property while providing a host of additional benefits, including fish and wildlife habitat. If we're going to make an investment to improve flood protection, we should do it in a way that provides multiple benefits. And so an exciting part of the Central Valley Flood Protection Plan is it commits to advancing flood protection in a multi-benefit context wherever possible. Instead of just getting new levees and dams, the Central Valley Flood Protection Plan is looking towards how can we improve flood safety and provide a number of other co-benefits. The Flood Protection Plan will benefit over 1 million Californians and $70 billion in homes, businesses, and infrastructure. It's a model for other watersheds nationwide. The third key element of the flood plan is measurable objectives for conserving riverine species and habitats. The plan gives us the opportunity to do that in a way that will actually advance the recovery of several endangered species. But we can only do that if we specifically identify what are the measurable conservation objectives that we need to achieve to uh, advance the recovery of endangered species. And in the end, what we're going to get from the Central Valley Flood Plan implementation is a plan that better protects communities from flooding and better protects rivers for future generations and other species. While the political landscape will continue to be a challenge in 2018, American Rivers is committed to doing everything it takes to fight for the rivers you love. We have a number of priorities for 2018 to not only preserve our rivers, but also allow communities to continue to thrive. We've got lots of challenges ahead, fighting to protect national monuments, fighting to protect the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, which is home to three wild and scenic rivers. And in 2018, it is the 50th anniversary of the Federal Wild and Scenic Rivers Act. And we have launched a campaign called 5,000 Miles of Wild, in which we are working with our partners, NRS, Yeti, Oars, REI, Chacos, and American Whitewater to protect 5,000 new miles of wild and scenic rivers. This is truly a watershed moment, pardon the pun, for our rivers, and we have to come together now to influence the next 50 years of river protection in our country. Uh, we also are going to continue to fight and to defend against the efforts by the Trump administration, whether it's at EPA or at the Department of the Interior or anywhere else in the government to uh, weaken the protections for rivers and clean water. Healthy rivers and clean water shouldn't be a partisan issue. Rivers connect us, all of us. And as we move into 2018, we need to stand together and stand up for rivers, clean water, and public lands. If you haven't already, take a moment to visit our website to learn a little bit more about the work that we do and why protecting the places we love and the clean water we need is so important. Well, anyone who, who wants to learn more about American rivers and our work and hopefully get involved directly as an activist or providing financial support for our efforts should go to our website, which is AmericanRivers.org. You can explore the website there and see all of the great work we're doing. In the upper right corner of the homepage, you'll see a donate button. And we hope that many of you will find it in your hearts to go to that and to support the work that we do. 
At American Rivers, we have a long history of protecting wild rivers, restoring damaged rivers, and conserving clean water for people and nature. And that legacy isn't about to end now. We have to be ready for anything, and we're counting on your help. Rivers is now available on both iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to stay up to date with new episodes. And if you find We Are Rivers educational, interesting, and inspiring, please take a moment to rate and comment. This helps others discover the series too, and we appreciate your support.